This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. In his book, It All Goes Back in the Box, the author John Ortberg talks about growing up and, and one of the things growing up that bonded him and his grandmother together is that they would play Monopoly together. He said the problem was, though, that she always won the game. She, she understood the game. Acquire property, you know, control the board, and you'll win the game. So he said time after time when they played the game, he would end up giving over his last dollar to his grandmother, and he would walk away defeated and depressed. His grandmother would tell him the same thing after every game. One of these days, you'll learn to play the game. One summer, one of John's neighbors and he, they played Monopoly virtually every day that whole summer. And, and John learned to play the game. That fall, he and his grandmother got together and they played Monopoly and it was Titan on Titan now because John had learned to play the game and John had acquired the properties, had uh, surrounded the board and he utterly, from his own words, destroyed his grandmother financially and psychologically. And as she gave her last dollar over to him, she walked away defeated and depressed. But she had one more lesson to teach John. And now she said to John, and now it all goes back in the box. All the houses, all the hotels, all the railroads, all the utilities, all the amazing properties, all the wonderful money, goes back in the box. And John said, I didn't want it to go back in the box. But it goes back in the box, doesn't it? The houses, the cars, the titles, the clothing, the bulging portfolios, the amazing resumes, our very bodies go back into the box. So what do you do after you've had the, the ultimate promotion? You've made the ultimate purchase. You live in the ultimate house. You have financial security. You've climbed the ladder of success. What do you do when that thrill is gone? And one day that thrill will be gone. What then? Could it be that there's something more? Could it be that there's something better to invest in? Like the soul of the one. Today we're continuing our series, The One, as Pastor Ben mentioned, right? And, and we're looking at, at that one. That one is, is who all of us were at one time, and maybe some of us still are today. That one who is far away from God, who is, is lost. And we saw in week one that lost people so matter to God. And we prayed that, that God would move our hearts to race for the lost like his heart races for the lost. 
And last week, Pastor Ben had this amazing message where he talked about the three different stages, right? There's the, the lost, there's the found, and then there's the party. And today what we're going to do is, is we're going to see again, right? Christianity is not a spectator sport. We're going to see what it's like to be involved in the search, in the greatest search and rescue mission in the history of the world. And so we're going to look at answering this question this morning. How can I invest in the eternity of the one? We go to Luke chapter 16. Uh, Look at the first verses there. It's a parable. Keep in mind, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So here we go. Verse one, Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master's taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to back. He said, I know, I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses So he called in each of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So we got the, the manager, right? And, and he's a pathetic employee. <laughs> That's all there is to it. And his boss calls him in and says, at the end of the day, it's the end of the day. You're done. All right. And the, the, the manager's like, oh, man. And and there's no going to HR. There's no going to the union. He's already been there, done that. He has not taken one step forward in the employee improvement plan. He knows and everybody else knows he does not have a leg to stand on. In just a few hours, in just a few minutes, he's walking out the door for the last time. 
And he's got to come up with a new way to earn a living. And his mind is racing. This is a, an urgent matter. Again, it, it's just minutes away and, and he's done. He's trying to think, what am I going to do next? Construction? No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not strong enough for that. Uh, a minimum wage job? No, I'm, t- I'm too proud. I can't do that. What am I going to do? And this formerly incompetent manager some, suddenly becomes forward-thinking and resourceful. And so he calls in the, the debtors to his boss, and he, and he asks them, how much do you owe? See, I told you, he, he's the manager. He's supposed to know. He has no idea. How much do you owe? The one goes 900. The manager goes, quick, man, before my boss gets in, mark it down, 450, half of it. Just quick, write it and move. Get going. Get out. Next guy comes in, how, how much do you owe? Again, doesn't know, doesn't have a clue. You know, a thousand. Quick, take 20% off, mark it down and get out. Leave, hurry before my boss comes in and, and sees all of this. You see what he was doing, right? He was helping them out so that they would be indebted to him so that when he was in need, so that when he was down and out, and that was going to happen really quickly, so that when he was down and out, they were going to be there and go, oh, this guy helped me. I'm going to help him. And the boss commends him, not for being dishonest, but for being shrewd, for being forward-thinking and resourceful. Now, now, some of you caught on to this, and maybe some of you didn't, but I'm going to go ahead and touch on it for those uh, of you who did catch on to it. This parable, is, it's got money in there, right? And there are so many people inside the church and outside of the church that, that thinks that the church is, is just about money, specifically my money, right? And here's the deal. Jesus actually talks more about money in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Gospels than he does the kingdom of heaven. It's also true that as Jesus is talking about money all those many times in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and and John, that he never tells us how much we are to give because it's to be from our hearts. It's to be a, a gift of love. And it's also true that in Scripture, Jesus held on to money one time, he had a coin in his hand just one time. And what did he tell people to do with that money? He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Pay your taxes. See, the, the thing is, Jesus talks about money so much because he knows that it is the chief competitor for our heart. That money is actually in competition with God for our heart. And so Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Okay, so understand when Jesus is talking about money, he's really talking about our hearts. Because where we spend our money, that usually shows what's first place in our hearts and in our lives. It's about our hearts. And here's the heart of God. God doesn't just care about people for a little while. 
He cares for people for all eternity. God doesn't just like people. His heart beats with love for people. God isn't just interested in you, in people. He's invested in you and all people. Here's the investment. We learn it uh, from Scripture. It says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. God's invested in you. It was a, a stretch investment. It, it wasn't easy. Okay? He, he stretched out his arms on the cross and took all of your sins and all the sins of the world and paid for them, not with silver or gold, but with his life. He's so invested in you, in the world, in the one that he gave up his life. It was a sacrifice, the self-sacrifice. He gave up what he could have, what he did have for you and for the one. It was an all-in investment, and it had to be an all-in investment. If Jesus only shows up with 95%, there is no healing, there is no redemption, there is no salvation, there is no one to pray to. This was all-in for you and for everyone. Jesus says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus invested his heart, God's heart, his life, God's life for you. And now God invites you and me to invest our lives in the life of the one. Okay, Right now, he's going, we're moving forward in investment. And he says it this way. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. See, Christianity, it's not a spectator sport. God is calling us to participate in the greatest search and rescue mission in the history of the world. He's calling us to invest in the lives of the one. And keep in mind now, the gospel is not you and me trying to do good. The gospel is not you and me trying to love other people. The gospel is Jesus living in you and me and doing good and loving people through you and me. And so let's see what that looks like. Let's see what the investment looks like. Three ways that we can do good and love people. The first one, be forward thinking and resourceful when it comes to your money. Okay? Jesus said, I, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Is Jesus telling us to buy friends? 
In Luke chapter 15, the, the prodigal son, that younger son, that's what he was trying to do, right? He had all that bank and he was going to the bars and he's buying everybody rounds of drinks. Be my friends, but right? That didn't work for him, right? He was down and out. And let's just be honest, buying friends, that's gross in the first place. Now, what Jesus is telling us is, is to use your money to share the gospel with other people so that when you get to heaven, you'll not only be welcomed by God, but you'll be welcomed by all these friends who came to know about Jesus because of your investment. See, a lot, a lot of times when we think about, um, you know, missions and, and putting our money to work, we, we think about giving an offering and then, then we send out home and world missionaries and they go out and that's part of it. But that's not all of it. What Jesus is asking you and me to do, if we're not already doing it, if we're already doing it, we're to continue to do it, is use, asking you and me, inviting you and me to use the money that he's given us right now to make a difference right now in our neighborhoods and in our community for the sake of the gospel. This isn't for someone else. It's for you and me. Here's an example of, of this at, at Victory. Remember when the stimulus checks came out? Like, depending on when you got it, four months ago or three months ago or two months ago, right? Remember that? One of our members called up and said, hey, we've received our, our stimulus checks and we want to give it to those who are in need. That's investing your money, an example, for the sake of the gospel. So the question I have for you and me is how will you use the money God's given you to invest in the one? How are you going to do that? That's not the, the only way that we go out and, and search for the lost. The other way, another way is be forward-thinking and resourceful when it comes to your time. See, when we provide for our families and for our neighbors... If we're paying attention, we actually see our Savior's face. Jesus said it this way, Whatever you do for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Use your time to demonstrate the love of Jesus. Theologian Eugene Peterson says it this way, No life of faith can be lived privately. There must be an overflow into the lives of others. With your eyes on eternity, how are you going to invest your time for the sake of the one? Again, here, here's some examples from, from the Victory family. We have any number of people who are coaches. They coach young people's sports. As Christian coaches, right, we're not just concerned about the skill and the strategy. We're concerned about their souls. And one of the easiest ways to reach their soul is to pray for their soul. Because when we pray, God moves our hearts into action. So how are you going to use your time to invest in the one? One more thing about the search and the rescue. Money, time, but also be forward-thinking, and resourceful when it comes to your words. 
And you know, you only need to know four words to share the gospel. God, us, sin, Jesus. Just four words. You see, sometimes we, we make it way more difficult. We make it way more confusing than it is. It, it's not confusing. God, God made everything wonderful, including us. But we fell into sin and we broke everything, including our relationship with God. But God sent Jesus to heal, repair, redeem and save us and the world. You just need four words. God, us, said Jesus. Brady Shearer of Pro Church Tools says this. Embracing the Great Commission means taking the good news to the people. And in the scope of human history, he says, we've never seen anything like social media in terms of attention and scale. Use your voice. In your sphere of influence to reach today's people with Christ's victory. You know, I see a whole lot of things on social media. I see a whole lot of things from Christians, a whole lot of things that aren't very good, a whole lot of things that are not trying to influence people toward Jesus. Use your words. Use your words in person and on, on social media. Here, here are just a couple of social media posts that I had over the last couple of days. One day was house is temporary, car is temporary, money is temporary, Jesus is eternal. Yesterday, hatred stirs up conflict. Have you seen that in the news? You've seen that in conversations. You've seen it in stores. Hatred stirs up conflict. But love covers all wrongs. Use your voice. Love covers all wrongs. Jesus says, you see, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the question I have for you is how will you use your words to invest in the one? Because lost people matter to God. Because God does want and has paved the way and paid the price for the eternal salvation of everyone. Because you see, there something way more than houses and cars and titles and hotels and railroads and utilities. There's the one. May God start a fire in our hearts for the one. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for investing in us. I know, I know for one, for me, I was not worth investing in except in your eyes of unconditional grace. Thank you for rescuing me and rescuing all of us. Thank you for going out on that search and rescue mission. Thank you for being all in. Lord, give us hearts, eyes, minds, faith, action of love to join you in your mission to reach the one. Lord, start a fire. And may your kingdom come and your will be done. And may there be an amazing, glorious celebration with people 
packed in heaven. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.